for the last two weeks, we've been seeing the insane amount of excellence that God calls for in the tabernacle. Today, we see almost a crazy level of excellence, almost to the point where it makes no sense. And you're going to see that today in Exodus 38. There's just one piece, and I bet you'll notice it when we hit it. I have a special guest in today. It's not Jordan. It is the mind behind Between the Lines, Miss Maddie Trinick. Hi, so glad to be here. Is that how you say your last name? Denim says I say it the white girl way. Okay. <laughs> That's how I say it though. <laughs> right. Isn't he a white boy? How He's... does that work? <laughs> <laughs> well, he says Croatians sound stronger and I sound... Oh, you sound weak? Weak. It's kind of... That's a little bit sexist, Denim. <laughs> I'll, have a, I'll have a talk with him, Maddie. <laughs> now you're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Maddie. And Maddie came in. I just have to say this. Maddie came in lugging a commentary with her because she is so studious. It's not because I'm studious. Last time you threw a question at me and I was so nervous. I was like, I don't know what it is. So you brought all the answers in a book. Just in case. <laughs> and I then you it. tell me it's this chapter, which is all detail and all <laughs> yeah, names. Yeah, and now like the I'm sweating. <laughs> all right. Well, now I know I can just throw really hard questions at you because he brought a, I mean, and it's a real looking commentary. It's it's a big book. So we're all set for Exodus 38 today. Um, Maddie, what if I start? Sounds great. All right. Yeah. Uh, 31 verses. So I'll toss you around verse 15 ish. Perfect. All right. Chapter 38, verse one. It says next, Bezalel. So this, this is the guy who is like, um, God says he's a skilled craftsman. He's the guy I want leading the charge and all of this because he's going to do things with excellence. He's not going to do shoddy work or anything like that. He used acacia wood to construct the square altar of burnt offering. It was seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, four and a half feet high. He made horns for each of its four corners so that the horns and altar were all one piece. He overlaid the altar with bronze. Then he made all the altar utensils of bronze, the ash buckets, the shovels, the basins, the meat forks, and the fire pans. Next, he made bronze grating and it sold it halfway down the side of the altar under the ledge. He cast four rings and attached them to the corners of the bronze grating to hold the carrying poles. He made the poles from acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. He inserted the poles through the rings on the sides of the altar. The altar was hollow and was made from planks. Bezalel made the bronze wash basin and its bronze stand with bronze mirrors donated by the women who served at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then Bezalel, when you had some? Yeah, what, are, what is all this stuff used for? Well, you're the one with the commentary, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> this is all used for sacrifice. So the meat forks would be for the, um, and we read this last week with when the um, the sacrifice was burnt, nobody could eat the meat from the sacrifice, but there was a sacrifice where the priests could eat the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so just uh, all of this is just for the the meat that was going on the altar. Wash basin would be for cleaning um, hands, all of that. Unless you had something else. I don't know. Did you look something up and give me a trick question? No. Just to get back no. at me, Maddie? <laughs> I was just wondering. It's interesting that God wants so much detail down to yeah. even the wash basin right. and the forks. Oh, yeah. Well, and in and, and a little bit, we're going to see him get even like, there's even another part of this tabernacle that is bronze. It's like, why would why does that matter? We're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, it says, did I leave off at verse nine? Nine, yes. Okay. Then Bezalel made the courtyard which enclosed with curtains made of finely woven linen. On the south side, the curtains were 150 feet long. They were held up by 20 posts set securely in 20 bronze basins. 
He hung the curtains with silver hooks and rings. He made a similar set of curtains for the north side, 150 feet of curtains held by 20 posts set securely in bronze bases. He hung the curtains with silver hooks and rings. The curtains on the west end of the courtyard were 75 feet long, hung with silver hooks and rings supported by 10 posts set in 10 bases. The east end, the front, was all 75 feet long. You want to take it from there, Maddie? Yeah. The courtyard entrance was on the east end, flanked by two curtains. The curtain on the right side was 22 and a half feet long and was supported by three posts set into three bases. The curtain on the left side was also 22 and a half feet long and was supported by three posts set into three bases. All the curtains used in the courtyard were made of finely woven linen. Each post had a bronze base and all the hooks and rings were silver. The tops of the posts of the courtyard were overlaid with silver and the rings to hold up the curtains were made of silver. He made the curtain for the entrance of the courtyard of finely woven linen and he decorated it with beautiful embroidery in in blue, purple, and scarlet thread. It was 30 feet long and its height was seven and a half feet, just like the curtains of the courtyard walls. It was supported by four posts, each set securely in its own bronze base. The tops of the posts were overlaid with silver and the hooks and rings were also made of silver. All the tent pegs used in the tabernacle and courtyard were made of bronze. That's what I find crazy. Even the things they drove into the ground were made of bronze. And it's that you kind of look at it like, why not just like use like wooden tent pegs? But God is just saying, no, I want every piece of this done in excellence. It does show you just a high level of excellence that God calls for. And it can be convicting. It is. Yeah. When you read it, you realize why he put it in the Bible for us. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're supposed to live this way as well. Every detail. Yeah. This is an inventory of the materials used in building the tabernacle of the covenant. The Levites compiled the figures as Moses directed. And how would you say that name? Ithamar? Ithamar. Son of Aaron, the priest, served as recorder. Bezael, son of Uri, grandson of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, made everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. You gave me the names for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're the one with the commentary. (laughs) Verse 23, he was assisted by... Oh my goodness, Junior. I don't know. Oh, oh, Oholiab. <laughs> How did you say it? I don't know. Oholiab. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, we need denim here with all the yeah, names. That's right. Son of Ahisamak. Of the tribe of Dan, a craftsman expert at engraving, designing, and embroidering with blue, purple, and scarlet thread on fine linen cloth. Those were considered colors of royalty, right? Yeah, especially the blue. Uh, yeah. Yep. Purple for sure. Um, blue, I mean, later on, because. And I mentioned this on the podcast, I believe last week, um, you know, if you, Maddie, we've gone to Israel, um, you know, with our church and it's not just Israel, you know, it's especially more Orthodox Jews in general, but you see like the blue tassels hanging from there, yeah. from their um, clothing. And actually I have some at my house that I, that I wear when I try, when I can remember underneath my shirts, but God asked for blue because he said, I want you to remember like blue is my faithfulness. So I want you to wear blue tassels on your clothes to remember my faithfulness. So I don't know if that's me, maybe the symbolism here with that being blue as well, or I'm not sure. No, that's interesting. Verse 24, the people brought special offerings of gold totaling 2,193 pounds as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. This gold was used throughout the tabernacle. The whole community of Israel gave 7,545 pounds of silver as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. It's a ton of weight. (laughs) I mean, you think about that, gold... With the gold and 
and the silver that's a that's almost ten thousand pounds just in expensive metal that's insane that's amazing yeah (laughs) this silver came from the tax collected from each man registered in the census the tax is one beka i don't know becca i don't know becca Becca. which is half a shekel based on the sanctuary shekel the tax was collected from 603 550 men who had reached their 20th birthday the 100 basis for the frame of the sanctuary walls and for the posts supporting the inner curtain required 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds for each base. The remaining 45 pounds of silver was used to make the hooks and rings and to overlay the tops of the posts. The people also brought as a special offering 5,310 pounds of bronze, which was used for casting the bases of the posts at the entrance to the tabernacle and for the bronze altar with its bronze grating and all the altar utensils. Bronze was also used to make the bases for the posts that supported the curtains around the courtyard, the bases for the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard, and all the tent pegs for the tabernacle and the courtyard. Again, a lot of details here, but um, this is this is important stuff. Again, this is should have been items um, that Jesus, many of them would have been items that Jesus would have seen. Even some of this, you know, it, it talks about um, the tax that they collected from the 603,550 men who had not reached their, or who had reached their 20th birthday. Um, we see that later on in the gospels uh, that Jesus has to pay this, this tax because he's over 20, but some of his disciples, it looks like in the text don't, which kind of goes to show some of his disciples were under 20 years old. So I know it kind of, we're going through this. It's like, man, there's just so many details. This doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Cause when we understand this stuff, it does shed light on Jesus's teachings and the the narrative, the life of of Jesus. Well, tomorrow, and we'll get into Proverbs in just a second. Tomorrow and Sunday, you will finish up Exodus, and then on Monday, we'll be back with my dad in Galatians. Is actually we're going to be opening up the Book of Galatians, so a very different, a very different text. And so on Monday, you can look forward to opening up the Book of Galatians. But be sure to finish up Exodus this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Finish that up um, on your own. Proverbs chapter 17 is the proverb for today. And you'll read it all on your own, but verse 14 is the verse we wanted to highlight. It says, starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. I don't know, Maddie. I mean, people are people, and I can be guilty of this as well, but sometimes I see, and people are just like, just stop. It's not that big of a deal. Like, this is going to get worse and worse. Like there's no route of this getting better. Just let it go. Stop the quarreling. I feel like I say it to my daughters all the time, but then I look at my own life. I'm like, I just got to let that go. Because if I press on that, that's just going to be a quarrel and nobody's going to win. And you can almost, I don't know about you, Junior, but sometimes when I'm getting heated about something, I can feel myself starting to get more and more upset. And it's like that floodgate. If you open it, you're just going to make things worse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Maddie and I used to quarrel about Monopoly when we were growing up. That's because you were wrong all the time. Okay. <laughs> Don't play with Monopoly with me and Maddie. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> we're going to have a quarrel here that's, now. That's right. All right. Well, today is National Hiking Day. I don't know if, Maddie, I don't know if you and Denim hike. My girls and I, we, and my wife, we love going out to like the forest preserves in the area. We do geocaching. So it's like an app on your phone. And it tells you where like a box is out in the woods and you got to go find it. And I was like, little treasures and toys. It's a lot of fun. We love that kind of stuff. Are you a hiker? A little bit. I love to hike, but denim doesn't. There was this one time in Honduras where 
I took Denim on this ancient Mayan trail through the rainforest. And he was trying so hard to have such a good attitude about (laughs) it. And I just kept going farther and farther because I was loving it. And finally he turned to me. He's like, this is horrible. (laughs) Can we turn around? (laughs) That's right. Some people enjoy it. Some people don't. But I will say, because I used to not, I used to be more like Denim, but um, out of love for my wife, I would just continue to go on these, these hikes. And now I, I really enjoy it, especially just being out in creation, thinking about like, thinking about like just the, what God has done, the beauty all around. I don't know, something special. So maybe do that today. It's, it's before it gets too cold. So get outside. There's still some, a little bit of color left on the trees. Just go enjoy it. Take a hike. Enjoy the, enjoy God's creation all around you and, and connect creation to the creator. That's the most beautiful part of, of doing hikes. All right. Well, Happy Friday. Make it a good day today. And uh, we will see you on Monday morning. My dad will be back. We'll be in Galatians and we'll be ready to go. See you then.